20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, friends. Happy Thursday. Welcome into another episode of the Packaday Podcast. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. And of course, if you haven't yet subscribed, please make sure to do so. It takes one click. It's super easy. Also, make sure to like, comment, subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your favorite podcast if you're listening to the audio version. All the support's been beyond amazing, so thank you so much for all of that. Of course, we had an amazingly fun practice on Wednesday between the Packers and the Patriots. The first of two joint practices. The second will be today on Thursday, and then they'll play in the preseason on Saturday. It was almost two and a half hours, almost exactly. In fact, as Matt LaFleur was watching, Walking off the field, uh, that you know, after after practice, usually there's usually uh, the, you know, some of the special teams coaches work with uh, a variety of different things, but usually they work with some of their like um, punting and and just so, you know sort of the formations and things like that. It's nothing hardcore or anything like that. But as Lafleur is walking over, he's like, "You literally have two minutes and a hard stop." Like, and, and he's like, "I'm not joking." And like, basically, they had two minutes before it was going to be the hard stop for the you know NFLPA and the the collective bargaining agreement and so on and so forth, where they will only have two and a half hours of practice, right? So they went right up to that two and a half hour mark, almost to the to a T. It was a long practice. It was a hot practice. It was almost, ex- well, once the Patriots got over, it was all, I think it was all team drills. They didn't do any individual uh, it was it was you know offense versus defense. They did some special teams, some field goals, some punting. They did everything, but it was all team stuff, and it was really really fun. And there was so much to go over. So th- I think the first thing to note here is there was you know stuff going on on both sides of the field, and sometimes that happens like almost every day that happens when it's just the Packers too. But what you'll have happen is the ones are going against the ones over here, and then it's like, like the B team down on the other end. And sometimes you can see the B team a little bit depending on the practice day and things like that. But most everyone cares about is just the A team stuff anyway. And then you catch up with the B team stuff when they do the two minute drills and things like that. So that's usually what happens. But you know, when, on this specific day, when it is the joint practice, you've got Mac Jones and the Patriots starting offense going against the Packers starting defense over here. And then you've got Jordan Love and the starting Packers offense going against the Patriots starting defense over here. And then of course, it's the twos and the threes and so on and so forth. But just a massive amount going on in a two and a half hour practice. And I tried to do everything I could to pare this down as best as possible. So let's get into it right away. And just to really quick other note, I spent primarily the the huge chunk of the day watching the Packers offense versus the Patriots defense. I wanted to get a look at Jordan Love and I'm happy he did because he had a very nice day overall. But let's jump into all of the notes from Wednesday. So first of all, Jair did return to team drills. So it was interesting. He had his helmet, he was practicing, he's doing individual. And then the starting defense went out, like looking like they were ready and just kind of waiting for the Patriots to come over. And Jair was out on the field with the starting defense. And I mean, immediately noted like, all right, Jair's with the starters and team, he's going to play. And then right before the Patriots offense gets over there, Jair goes out, Carrington Valentine goes in and it's like, all right, maybe they're not going to play him in team. But he apparently did play later in the team drills. I didn't get to see it personally, but multiple other people reported on it. So he was in the team drills. He was also in some of the team special teams drills and the field goal block unit. So great to see from Jair that he is back in practicing with the team and especially against the Patriots would go to show that his injury is probably, you know, basically done with at this point if they're putting him out there in any capacity. 
Unfortunately, there were two new injuries. Devondre Campbell was out with an ankle injury and Bo Melton was out with a hamstring injury. That added to the list of players not practicing, which included Ennis Gaines, Eric Stokes, Corey Ballantyne, Caleb Jones, Tariq Carpenter, David Bakhtiari, Luke Tenuta, Tyler Davis, Tyler Goodson, Lou Nichols, and Kenny Clark. So that was the entire list of players not practicing. So that list is getting a little bit longer. You've got quite a few guys that are out now. Hopefully all those guys can be back sooner rather than later. Uh, But again, that list is starting to grow just a little bit, which is normal for this point in training camp. But obviously you want to see that list start, you know, dwindling back down and hopefully getting to, to single digits again sooner rather than later. The starting offense uh, to, to just very start the day, they rotated a ton of people through, obviously, but was Jordan Love at quarterback, Aaron Jones at running back, Dobbs and Watson at wide receiver with Musgrave and DeGuara at tight end slash H-back, whatever you want to call DeGuara. Yash Nyman at left tackle, Elton Jenkins at left guard, Josh Myers at center, John Runyon Jr. at right guard, and then Zach Tom at right tackle. So that was your starting offense. Your starting defense was Van Ness and Preston Smith on the edges with Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton on the inside. Isaiah McDuffie took over for Devondre Campbell at inside linebacker alongside Quay Walker. It was Carrington Valentine with the right away, but again, Jair took that spot later. Nixon was in the slot, Douglas on the other side, and then Tavarius Moore was the new starting safety. It was not Jonathan Owens, although he did sub in as well uh, with the ones, but it was Tavarius Moore on the day alongside Darnell Savage. So those were your starters. Meanwhile, that safety rotation, you had Darnell Savage and Tavarius Moore with the ones, Anthony Johnson Jr., and Jonathan Owens with the twos, and then Rudy Ford with the threes. So Savage Moore, AJJ and Owens, and then Rudy Ford with the threes. So that was the the rotation at safety for the day. All right, so let's go over Jordan Love, first of all. Now, if you want the entire breakdown on Jordan Love, in my quick hits episode from yesterday, I went through every single play and throw basically from Jordan Love on the day. So if you want a deeper dive into Jordan Love, go back and listen to that episode, but I'll go over just kind of the main takeaways from Jordan's day. And first and foremost, I thought Jordan had a really, really nice day. And I think uh, Bill Huber and Matt Schneidman had him at 16 for 28. I had him at 17 for 29. I think the difference was the pop pass to Luke Musgrave. We can just talk about that right now. So at one play in red zone, they did basically an end around or a jet sweep, whatever you want to call it, to Luke Musgrave, a tight end. He was lined up at wide receiver, but it's a pop pass, which is technically a forward pass. So uh, I had that as a, an extra completion. I'm assuming that that's the one that Bill and, and Matt had, you know, didn't have as a completion for Jordan. But 16 of 28, 17 of 29, whatever you want to call it. There was a drop. There were a few throwaways. One was an obvious like time-wasting throwaway. So uh, overall, I thought he was he was really really, really good though. Once again, making all the right reads. Two throws that I think, you you know, there were a couple ones that, you know, were close and maybe he'd like to have back and, you know, maybe just try to hit it, make it a little bit more perfect. But two, two real, you know, throws that I think he'd, he'd probably like to have back on the day. There's a throw to Jaden Reed over the middle that he underthrew. Ball kind of wobbled a little bit and just didn't get to its destination. And then a, a swing pass out to AJ Dillon, where you know I think it was a little bit behind Dillon. Dillon, I think, still could have caught it. But either way, those, those are really the only two bad throws. No interception plays, no turnover-worthy plays. It was, once again, a really nice day of Jordan taking care of the football, going where he was supposed to go with the ball. But he also hit some big-time plays. 
including a 75-yard touchdown to Christian Watson on a deep crosser. Watson comes open, Love lofts it up. It lands perfectly, right in, pretty much right in stride for Watson. Uh, I think he may have been slowed down to like a millisecond, but it's just because Christian Watson's a freak. Still, the defenders could not catch up to it. They made a diving attempt to break it up, at least the corner did, and they couldn't get there. He turns up field and does the rest of the work on his own. So unbelievable, awesome 75-yard touchdown play from Jordan Love to Christian Watson. You then had Luke Musgrave up the seam and it like it was like 20, 25 yards out and he just gets right past Kyle Duggar and Musgrave just runs past him and Love threw it up to him. Musgrave went and high pointed it. Beautiful ball from Jordan. Great route and just execution from Luke Musgrave as well. That connection continues to be so freaking impressive and I just it's so hard not to be so excited about Jordan Love to Luke Musgrave this upcoming season. He had a, a beautiful back corner end zone touchdown throw to Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs went up and got it, got two feet down. They called it a touchdown eventually. I did see a little bit of a video of it on Twitter. It was hard to completely see, but I do think he got his feet down inbounds for the touchdown. But another really, really nice throw from Jordan and great execution from those two players. Uh, again, Romeo and Jordan. Jaden Reed had a wow almost touchdown. Yes, he was ultimately out of bounds. So whatever you want to count it as, whatever. The throw was amazing. The catch was amazing. Just ended up being slightly out of bounds. But Jaden Reed was coming, you know, in the back of the end zone. The corner was right on him, but the corner wasn't facing Jordan. The corner was kind of facing Jaden. And Jordan put it in a spot where only the, you know, only Jaden could get it. And Jaden Reed goes up, catches it. The, the anticipation on the throw, the the going up and getting it for Jaden Reed and making that contested catch, all of it was like play of the day type stuff. It just unfortunately came out slightly out of bounds and ends up not counting. But I thought, again, really, really nice play there. He once again got the defense to jump off sides even better this time because it's the Patriots jumping off sides and not the Green Bay Packers. So that was nice to see. His hard count has been fantastic. He also had a throw to Christian Watson down the left-hand side. If you remember that Aaron Jones throw in the Philadelphia Eagles game where he came in, hit that kind of turkey hole shot between the safety and the corner, and Jones is right there. It just ended up being incomplete on that day uh, where Jones dropped it. This is very similar. He hit Christian Watson right in stride. I think Watson was either late to adjust to it or didn't see it or something because he kind of got his head turned, then kind of got his hands up late, which late hands are good, but you got to get them up early enough to actually secure the catch too. And it just went right through his hands and it looked like a perfect throw. So that was another really nice one. And then you got to the two-minute drill and Jordan led the team right down the field, primarily going, I think actually only going to really uh, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson on the drive. Um, I think he had one to Samori Toure. He drives him all the way down. It was a tie game. He gets him in field goal range. It's a 40-yard kick. So he got them from like his own 25 to the opposing 23 with like a minute and a half, one timeout. And the drive was really, really well done overall. Like I said, uh, both Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs were uh, making big plays. The very first play was a great throw and catch from from Love to, to Romeo Dobbs. So again, you, th these are the type of things that you want to see. The big time red zone throws, the 75 yard dime to, you know, it wasn't 75 air yards, but it was probably 40 air yards uh, to, to Christian Watson with like 35 after the catch, somewhere around there, but a beautiful throw there. 
and then the two-minute drive to ultimately go down and try to win the game. Now, unfortunately, Anders Carlson missed that field goal, and it would have ended up in a tie situation, which we're going to talk about in a second here. But overall, I thought it was a really, really nice day. And I think the big thing, too, for Jordan is they the, the Patriots did not hold back. They blitzed him. They, they gave him a ton of different looks. And Jordan had answers for everything. A couple throws again, he'd probably like to have back a little bit. But I, I, we're getting to the point, let me say this about Jordan. We're getting to the point where it's it's really hard to envision a scenario where he's just bad. I don't know what the ceiling is yet. And I don't totally know what the floor is either. And I'm not saying he's not going to have bad games. He, I'm sure he will. But it's it's getting really difficult just seeing him throughout this entirety of this offseason to envision a scenario where you're just like, man, this guy sucks. Like he is terrible. Like how in the heck did, you know, they think he was going to be a starting quarterback or anything like that. I would be pretty darn shocked if that ended up coming to fruition. Now he could end up being the 28th, 29th, 30th best starter. And, you know, that's just not ultimately good enough if you want to go out and win games and win Super Bowls, et cetera. But I, I just, it's really hard to fathom with where he's at as a quarterback his command of the offense, his ability to know where to go with the football. He's got a really good arm. He's got he's got every tool necessary. He can scramble. He keeps his eyes up. He knows how to go through the reads in this offense. He's a good decision maker, at least, I don't know, basically the entirety of this training camp. Again, a couple balls that he'd like to have back, but it's really hard to just think of like, yeah, there, there's a world in which this guy's just terrible. Like it, it just doesn't seem possible at this point. He's too good. And like I said, how, what the, the ceiling is, can you be a top five, a top 10, a top 20? I don't know. Uh, that, that is still a work in progress, but it's really hard to imagine him just being really bad. I, I just, I can't see it anymore. I've seen too many positive things from him. And I thought this was another really solid day and a step in that direction. Now, the big thing I've been talking about is the, the two days in a row, the three days in a row, the consistency from Jordan. Now, can he go against New England on Thursday and have another really great day. And if he can do that, now we're starting to cook with fire a little bit. So that's what I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I'm going to probably watch the offense again because I want to see how Jordan does on the second day. The Patriots, I'm sure, are going to give him a ton of different looks again. And that's what should make Thursday's practice so much fun to watch. I mentioned one of the big plays of the day and from a negative sense was that Green Bay drove all the way down the field. Jordan Love gets him in a game-winning field goal scenario, 40-yard field goal, and Anders Carlson just misses it, right? So a couple things. Let's start with when he had the wind at his back. All right, he had the wind at his back, not as much of an issue. It was a very windy day, you know, so put that into consideration with Love's Day as well, as well as Mac Jones and the kickers and the punters and everything like that. But the wind at his back, he started five for five on kicks for the day. It's basically like an extra point and four field goals. None of them super long. I think the longest was like 45, but five for five on the day. And you're like, okay, he really needed a day like that. And part, I think I was even talking to Aaron Nagler a little bit and I'm like, just, just be done. Just be done for the day. He's five for five. Just be done. Let's, let's bank this one and go into tomorrow and see what tomorrow brings. But unfortunately they could not bank it and could just keep it at five for five. He had two more field goal attempts. The first being that potential game winner. And that was a miss. And then the, they did like the little we're going to run the, the the team on the field with the clock running and try to make sure that we get the snap off. The single weirdest kick I have ever seen. So this ball goes up like high points and just Wiley Coyote like falling with the sign off the cliff, like just straight down. And it landed like at the goal line. 
so like 10 yards short of like even where the the goalpost starts right like probably 20 yards short uh, or like whatever i don't know how you want to define it but like well 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 short of where it needed to be on like a 40 yard field goal like we're not talking like a 60 yarder here right and yes the wind clearly knocked it in some way shape or form but you have to change things up a little bit when you're kicking into the wind. And this looked like he he kicked it as high as he normally would. And the wind just took it and, and, and knocked it down to some extent. I don't know. Like, I know, I think Tom Silverstein tweeted that he thought it was a, like maybe like a mishit. I think Domovsky said it maybe looked like it, he just popped it up too much. That could be too. We were all looking around and just being like, what in the heck just happened? Because we didn't see, I, I've never seen anything like that. Now, to be fair, Nick Folk had one later where he was kicking a game winner from the same like sort of distance and his kick like got knocked down by the wind as well. But most of us think that it got just over the crossbar. They called it no good, like that it was just under the crossbar. But that still is a heck of a lot better than falling at the goal line. So, and there were field goals made to this end, including it just a little bit before that were a couple game winners from the Patriots. So it's not like it was an impossible with the wind on the day. There were very clearly kicks made and that end of the field. And for Carlson, A, this is a potential harbinger of things to come where you have an inexperienced kicker and you don't know what he's going to give you in some key situations. And that, that could legitimate, this is not going to be a Packers team that just goes out and blows out a ton of teams, right? This is a team that's going to have to, you know, claw their way to victories in all likelihood. And it's probably going to be in a lot of close games. And you know, it can decide close games, a field goal here or there, an extra point here or there. And if they leave points on the, on the field and don't convert those, like you could easily, easily go from like a 10 and 7 team or a 9 and 8 team to like a 6 and 11 team, 7 and 10, whatever it ends up being. But that that could easily, easily be the difference between being in playoff contention and not. It could be the difference between having a winning record and not. And I think we got a real glimpse and Green Bay got a real glimpse of like, this is what can happen. The offense drove down, tie game against the Patriots, game winning field goal, 40 yards, and it's a miss. And that's where Anders needs to find a way to get more consistent. And then, you know, the other thing is on the on the ones with wind, like you gotta you gotta have a better trajectory. You gotta keep it lower and you gotta put a little bit more mustard on it. He popped that thing up and the wind knocked it down. And it was far left too. So this is the this is the inconsistency that we've seen from Anders. I'm still very much in the camp of it's time to bring somebody in and, and have some competition. Not saying you need to cut him at this point, not saying that you don't you know, maybe even keep them on the roster. I'm just saying, let's get another guy in and let's just see, right? There's no real harm in that. So, I mean, even if you need to, and the other thing too is like, maybe it's time to make the decision on long snapper and, and punter, right? It, probably not a ton is going to change in the next week and a half. Make the decision on the long snapper and punter now so that you can at least get in a rhythm with these guys. And like, hopefully they, they figured that out, but it's gotta be hard for Anders too, as a rookie who's going through all of his own lumps, but now he's got two long snappers, two holders, and they're all rotating. And it's just, it's, it's not great for him. I'm sure either. So I, I would love to see a little bit more consistency. And then obviously maybe just, uh, you know, working just with one holder and one, one punt or one holder, one long snapper moving forward as well. 
Hello friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, next I want to talk about the young playmakers because I thought Green Bay's playmakers were really, really fun on this specific day. We talked about Luke Musgrave, the touchdown up the seam, the end around, like they're just finding new and exciting ways to get the ball to him in any way, shape, or form possible. Romeo Dobbs, I thought, really stepped up and had a phenomenal game. He was almost unstoppable on slants and in-breaking routes. He had that great touchdown in the back of the end zone. Christian Watson, of course, had the 75-yard touchdown. Jaden Reed had that awesome almost catch in the back of the end zone, but he continued to make plays, some slants, some, you know, all of it, right? Now, the big thing, unfortunately, with Jaden Reed is when he was trying to make that sliding catch on the ball that Jordan underthrew a little bit, he it, he did. It looked like maybe he came down on the ball. I don't know if he, what ended up happening, but he got up slowly and then went to the sidelines, and then he did not return through the remainder of practice. So he looked like he had his helmet on the sideline. It didn't look like he was getting really looked at by trainers all that much. He seemed in very good spirits after practice. He wasn't in any sort of anything. So hopefully he's ready and back ready to go uh, on Thursday against the Patriots, or if not that, at least sooner rather than later. But that will be an injury to keep an eye on. And then next, I thought Malik Heath had a really fantastic game too. He had one of the plays of the day. So in the other two-minute drill with Sean Clifford at QB, like there's, I don't know, maybe 20 seconds left. And Clifford goes deep to Malik Heath and Heath comes down with it. Now there was a bunch of controversy here. I'm just telling you, I was right there. Heath caught, it was clearly like, he clearly caught it. That wasn't the question, but he caught it and he got past the pylon. It would have been a touchdown. The refs, these were like, these are like amateur refs. Like they're, they, they barely know what's going on at almost at, at, at times it feels like, but the ref called it down at the one yard line. And I think he wound the clock too. And then the time ran out. It was a very weird situation. It doesn't matter. What you're looking for is the big time play. It was a great throw by Clifford, a great catch, great, great, great catch by Malik Heath. And Malik Heath was super active throughout the day as well. It is getting harder and harder to imagine him not making the team with how he blocked, uh, you know, in the preseason game last Friday. He's coming up with big catches. He's a really nice possession receiver. And then of course he gets that game winner uh, as well. Really, really nice day from Malik Heath and the entire group of young playmakers on offense. Murray Torrey had a couple of nice catches as well, but it was really Musgrave, Dobbs, Watson, Reed, and Heath that were showing up in a pretty significant way. Next, I want to go over Green Bay's defensive pressure. 
I mentioned this in the Quick Hits article as, or uh, video yesterday as well, but Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald tracked the Patriots offense for the day. And he, he was keeping track of everything. He had down 13 sacks for the Packers defense. Let me say that one more time. 13 sacks for the Packers defense on uh, Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones, which is pretty freaking incredible. Making it more incredible... Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary not practicing, at least in the team drills, right? Kenny Clark was pra- or was not practicing at all. Rashawn was practicing, but not in the team drills. So they got 13 sacks on the Patriots. Now the Patriots were missing a couple starting offensive linemen as well. So that played a part, but still 13 sacks. And by the way, it was the first team. It was the second team. It was the third team. It was just wave after wave of pressure. And the other thing I'll say here is they got the sacks, but they got a bunch of other pressures too, where the, maybe even... I don't know, the Patriots scrambled on a couple different plays or they kept the play alive and threw downfield, but they were constantly pressuring the quarterback and making it super difficult for the Patriots quarterbacks all day long. I know Devontae Wyatt and Carla Brooks had combined for a sack. Apparently, Carl Brooks had at least one other one as well. JJ Nigbari had two sacks on the day. Aaron Mosby had a sack. Brenton Cox had a sack. Of course, I was watching offense primarily, you know, a huge chunk of the day, so I didn't get to see a, a ton of them. Every time I looked over, it was like the, the Packers defense was chasing the quarterback, and it was it was impressive to watch. They were they were dominant, and it caught the Patriots writers uh, not by surprise, but like they they noticed it. It was very noteworthy as well, even for them. The the one area where I thought was a real struggle for Green Bay on this specific day was the running game. I just, they didn't generate really almost anything. Aaron Jones, Emmanuel Wilson each had one pretty decent run, but I thought it was a really tough day just trying to get any traction going. Now, this is a tough Patriots defense. They're really, really good and sound. They're well coached, obviously, but Green Bay's got to figure out a way to generate a little bit more on the run. I thought the offensive line did a pretty darn good job in pass protection. There were a couple sacks here and there, but in run blocking, like there was just nothing going. I felt bad for the guys like Jones and Dylan and, and just the rest of the running backs. It just not many holes open to, to take advantage of anything. And the Patriots defense stood up and was is really on top of everything almost all day long from a run game standpoint. So that is going to be something that Green Bay has to continue to work on because their run game does not look great at the moment, at least from a blocking standpoint in these pra- or in the, the first practice against the Patriots. Then there was the big question of the day prior to practice of, is Razul going to move to safety? So the, the line of questioning that kicked this all off was, is it now time to get Carrington, Val- Carrington Valentine on the field in some capacity? And Matt basically said, yeah, he's like, we got to figure out a way to get this guy snaps. He's been that good. And I'm paraphrasing here, but yada, yada, yada. They, they want to get Carrington on the field in some capacity, which then led to like, I, I don't remember what the exact question was and how it got there, but Razul at safety. And it was basically like, yeah, I think something to the extent of, you know, could you see Razul at safety or is that something you would do, et cetera. And they talked about him playing in the slot, or Matt talked about him playing in the slot last year and that he's a playmaker and like, you could probably do it and things like that. I took this more of a, like, yeah, we'll see what happens more than anything else. Like not anything committed to him actually being safety, but he did say he thought that that could be something that they look at as well. I don't necessarily expect it. I wouldn't necessarily do it. I think Sewell is best as an outside corner. I think that's his spot. He's playing great football. He also had two almost interceptions, should have had both really, uh, but two almost interceptions on the day. Had another pass breakup, a really nice day from Razul, again, who's had a phenomenal, phenomenal camp. I don't know why you'd move that guy at this point. And I get, I love Carrington and I want to get him on the field too, but 
at this point, I, I'm not taking Sula away from outside corner for almost anything at the moment. So uh, we'll see. Maybe he ends up getting some snaps there, but I would. it was more of just like, in my opinion, Matt just being like, yeah, well, you know, we'll look at it and see, and we'll try everything and try to get our best five out there, yada, yada, but I, whatever. I didn't, I didn't really think it was like something that they're going to seriously do, and they, he didn't play there at all in practice today. All right, some other really quick hits before we get out of here. Alex Magoo and Tucker Kraft connected on, I thought, one of the better throws of the day as well. Magoo rolled to his left, bought time, bought time. The offensive line really held up well. And then he kind of like faded away backwards and then hits Tucker Kraft, I don't know, maybe 25 yards, 30 yards downfield. Really nice catch by, by Tucker Kraft, but Magoo uh, with some Alex Magoo magic uh, really bought time, kept his eyes downfield and, and made a really, really nice tough throw to Tucker Craft on that specific play. Uh, Royce Newman, you will uh, be unsurprised to know, got completely annihilated on a bull rush on one specific play. He is having a really, really tough camp. And I know that immediately the comments below and the immediate gut reaction is, just cut Royce Newman. And I do think it's trending in that direction. Um, my 53-man roster projection yesterday said I, I didn't have him on the roster. I didn't have him on the practice squad. He was just gone. I, I Like I said, I do think it's trending in that direction. I don't think it's like a 100% sure. I think he's still fighting for a spot. I just want Royce to play like he did his rookie year. And your immediate reaction might be, and he wasn't even that good in his rookie year. And you would be right. But his rookie year, he hung. Like he, he was... He was capable. He was fine. Was he what you want as like your number five starter? No. Was he good enough to be like your seventh offensive lineman? Yeah, he really was. And it wasn't perfect. But if, if you needed that rookie Royce Newman, the way he played that year, and like right now, if you could add that guy to this team and he could be your seventh offensive lineman, like you're like, sure, I'll take that. A guy who can play some guard, some tackle, play either side of the line and be okay. Like you don't have to change your offense when he's in the game. Like that's a really nice depth piece. The issue is that's not the Royce Newman that showed up last year. And that's not the Royce Newman that showed up this year. In fact, I would argue it's been a steady decline. He was, eh, okay his rookie year bad last year he looks terrible this year but my my bigger point here is like i just i just hope he starts playing better i would i would much rather i know like the easy thing is just like ah just cut him i'd rather just he start playing great can or like at least decent can he start playing decent that would be a great starting point nobody's cheering for him to fail we, we all want him to do good obviously and i'm not cheering for anyone to lose their job ever but I, I just would love to see him start playing better and start playing well because he at least set a baseline in his rookie year of like, hey, you, you can be okay. And right now, if he was okay, he's an easy roster lock. He hasn't been okay. He's been really, really bad. And this was another example. He just got, like I said, annihilated on a bull rush. Carrington Valentine and Dontavian Wicks both showed up on special teams. Uh, I thought uh, A. Valentine was a gunner and a jammer. Uh, so that's a really good sign for him that he's going to get involved on special teams as well. And then Dontavian Wicks had a really nice block on a punt return as well. So those guys showing up on special teams is great. Meanwhile, Jaden Reed is such an unbelievably natural catcher of punts. I don't know. There's probably a better way to say that, but like he just looks so perfect. Like everything is easy. It is so easy. The ball comes, it doesn't matter if it's end over end or on a line or whatever. It's just like, oh yeah, catching that and then gets upfield. I mentioned this in, on Twitter. It's basically, remember, they took uh, Amari at the what beginning of the third. They traded up for him in the, the beginning of the third. They took Jaden at the end of the second. It's basically like they just, they, they traded or they released Amari last year. And it was basically like they decided, let's redo that. 
and we, we, we got rid of Amari, but we'd still like that player. We're going to do it over and we're going to get Jaden Reed now. Amari clearly did not work out. Jaden has been everything Amari was not. Fast, decisive, great hands, like clean returns, like just everything that Amari struggled with. You can easily use Jaden on end arounds. Amari never really got that down and couldn't make anyone miss and couldn't run by anyone. It just two totally, like they were brought in for kind of a lot of the same reasons. There's similar heights and Jaden Reed is just a million times better. So they, they kind of got a redo on it and it seems like they absolutely nailed it. AJ Dillon had a fumble. He got hit hard and I don't think he was expecting that because it wasn't a tackle period, but the safety came down and like really hit him hard. And like it ball popped out, Patriots recover. I just don't think Dylan was expecting that level of content. I don't think Matt LaFleur or anyone wanted that level of content, but it happened and Dylan fumbled and you know he'll learn from that as well. But I don't I don't I just don't think he was expecting that. Jonathan Ford, uh, multiple big time run stops. He continues to be really impressive. Big human being, makes big time run stops. Like I said, just really, really fun. I think he's earning a, a real legitimate spot on this team and not just like, all right, six defensive linemen. I think he has a chance to earn himself a spot in the rotation if he can get active on game days. So that'll be a fun one to watch. And then Rashid Walker got some reps with the ones as well, including in the final two minute drill where he was in at, I think left tackle on that drive, but it, maybe it was right tackle, one of the two. But either way, he continues to get some reps with the ones with Bakhtiari missing. So we will, uh, yeah, we'll do it all again on Thursday. I can't wait. There was so freaking much to go through. If you haven't yet, check out my episode from yesterday where I did the quick hits as well. Went into a little bit more detail on both Anders Carlson as well as really broke down everything from Jordan Love as well. So you can check that out, of course, right here on the podcast. Subscribe, like, do all your amazing things that you're so amazing at doing. I appreciate all of you. I'll see you guys to, uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. So until next time, and as always, go Paco.